0: Book of Genesis, 15th chapter, 15th and 16th chapter of the book of Genesis this morning. Amen. 15th chapter comes after Abraham's victory and the reception of the kings, his rejection of the king of Sodom. And his reception of Melchizedek, king of Salem. Uh, in the 15th chapter, the Bible tells us: After these things, the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward." And Abram said, "Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house." is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given me no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We ask God that you'd inspire us to preach it, to teach it, and to receive it. We give you all the glory and all the praise, God, in advance for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right. whenever uh, Abram brings his tithes unto the Lord, Melchizedek, we see that he falls into a vision following his giving tithes of the tithe just real quickly for those of you who don't understand tithing um, tithing was given to the priesthood and the priesthood represented the Lord the uh, tithe goes to the priest and in the New Testament it is given to the set man who represents the father who is in heaven so when you bring your tithe you're not giving your tithe necessarily to a man You're giving your tithe to the Lord, but that tithe is in turn given from God to that man who represents the Father in heaven. So understand that. So that when Abram brings his tithe to the Lord, the Bible tells us that's when he falls into a trance, gets a vision from the Lord. Now, look at it very carefully. The Bible says, After these things the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, First thing God shows him is that he is Abraham's peace. And then he says, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So secondarily, God tells him that he is his protection from the enemy's attacks. And then thirdly, he says, I am thy exceeding great reward. Amen. The Lord is his reward. Now, Abraham... Or Abram said to the Lord God at that time, His concern is with the seed. Uh, he has not had any children yet. If you go back to the 12th chapter, of the book of Genesis, we see that the Lord promised him in verse 7, Genesis 12, 7 says, The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared. To him, so God has promised Abram that he would give him a seed, but he doesn't have one yet. So, God has made a promise to give him children, but the action is not there. The Lord has not performed the action, all he has is the promise. Okay, and so Abram is concerned about that, and so he brings his request to the Lord in verse 3. Abram said, Behold, to me, thou hast given no seed and lo one born in my house is mine heir god you promised that i would have children but i don't have any children yet so he says i have a chief servant his name is eliezer let him be that seed and god is going to respond to that but as we look at it the bible teaches us some very important things here about god god makes promises to his people amen uh, but oftentimes, those promises do not come to pass until a period of time goes by. So we have to have patience. How many of you have patience? I don't have very good patience. You might, but I don't. Amen. If I got a promise, I want it to happen now. Amen. Especially if it comes from God. If God gives me a promise, I want to see it now. I don't want to wait for it. I don't have much patience. But when it comes to the things of God, God gives us promises, but we have to be patient with God because it sometimes takes time, and sometimes a long time, before you see the promises of God fulfilled or before you see God take action. And God had made a promise to Abraham that he would have this seed, these children. Abraham looks over and he sees Lot. Lot has children. He looks at some of his servants in his house. And they all have kids running around. But where is his? So he, he's uh, not very patient right now. He's saying, God, I see everybody else having kids. But I want one. I want one. Right? You with me here? Why, why haven't you fulfilled your promise to me, God? You're giving everybody else kids, but not me. And so I, when it comes to the things of God, God's going to give you promises and make promises to you, but you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to wait on the timing of the Lord because it's not in my timing and it's not in your timing. It's in God's timing. And we have to learn to be patient when it comes to the things of God and the promises of God in our life. A lot of times people give up. They walk with God and they give up the promises of God because they haven't seen it happen yet. You have to trust God. And sometimes God will allow you get to get to the end of your strength. Let me say it again so you'll hear me. God will allow you to get to the end of your strength so that His power can be manifested. And It's not that God has anything against you. It's not like that. It's not like that. God is just letting you get to the end of your strength so He can manifest His strength in your life. And until you see that happen, you're going to have to be patient. And you're going to see other Christians, other people in the church, and a lot of good things are happening to them. Blessings are coming into their life. And you're looking at your life and you don't see all the blessings taking place. And you're going to have to be patient. When you see your brothers and sisters getting blessed, you're going to have to learn to worship God and to be thankful to God for the blessings that God has blessed them with. Amen? Because if you're, not, if you're not that kind of person, you're going to look at all the blessings that everybody else has. And you're start going to start getting jealous. And you're going to start getting envious. And in some cases, you're going to start getting a bad attitude. You're going to get bitter. Amen? If you're not careful. Because you know God has made promises to you, but you haven't seen them. But you see everybody else blessed. And you see everybody else doing real good. And when you see that, you're going to have to remember what I'm preaching to you this morning. That God has not overlooked you, and He's not overlooked me. At some time, blessing is going to come to you, but you're being tested. My faith is being tested, or your faith is being tested. When you see it happening for somebody else, and it's not happening for you, amen? That's when who we really are comes out. See, it's not when all the blessings are taking place in my life and I see God doing this and doing that. That, That's not when you really see who I am. It's when I see everybody else blessed. And it may not be children, or it may be children. It may be financial blessings. It may be healing in the body. And many, many different things. And you see people getting their miracles and getting their healings and getting their victories and getting their blessings, but you are still sick you still have financial needs. You see people having kids and you can't have one. And so I'm just telling you that's a, going to be a very severe test that will come into your life. Uh, how are you going to live for the Lord? What kind of attitude are you going to have? What kind of spirit are you going to have? Are you going to let jealousy get a hold of you? Are you going to let a bad attitude get a hold of you? Or are you going to trust God? Are you going to be patient? God, I don't know when you're going to bring that promise to me. I might have to wait weeks, months, years. I might have to wait 10 years. I might have to wait 15 years. I might have to wait 25 years. Abram's going to have to wait. Are you all with me? He left Haram when he's 75 years of age. He's not going to have that promise fulfilled until he's 99 years of age. He's going to have to wait 25 years For the promise of God to be fulfilled in His life. What if God were to tell you, give you a promise, and you had to wait not 25 days, but 25 years? Amen? Some of you haven't even walked with God that long. Some of you are not even 25 years old yet. Well, no, and here you are. Maybe you're not. But I'm just telling you, when it comes to the things of God, you will be tested because God has given you some of the same promise He's given everybody else, but it's happening for them, but it's not happening for you. And if you're not careful, that old jealousy, that envy, that bitterness will get a hold of you. Bad attitude will get a hold of you. Because look at everybody else, they're blessed, but what about mine? You're going to have to learn to trust in God. You're going to have to learn to be patient. You have to learn to wait on God. And when everybody else is being blessed, when they got little kids and you don't, they got financial blessings and you don't. Amen? Or you're they're healed in their body, but you're not healed yet. You're going to have to wait patiently on God and say, Lord, it's in your timing. It's in your hand. And you you might get to the place where you have lost. All strength, but that's when God steps in. When it's, listen to me carefully, when it's impossible for you to make it happen by your own strength, then God steps in and does it supernaturally. Because when the promise finally does come to Abraham and to Sarah, they have no ability in their physical bodies to do it, their strength is over. They're not only at the end of their strength, they don't have strength. It's an impossible situation for them to have a child. But God's going to step in and supernaturally give them a supernatural born son that they could not have done on their own. And that's the way God often works. And you're going to have to learn to walk with God. And you're going to have to get in that prayer room. And you're going to have to pray to God. You're going to have to talk to God going to say, God, even though I don't see it happening right now in my life, I've I've got to get in a place of fellowship. I've got to get in a place of prayer. I've got to get a vision. I've got to get a prophecy from you, Lord. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek you because you can't make it in this hour without praying. I'm going to tell you, every one of you right now in this church right now, you cannot make it without prayer. And I say that because I see some of you always, you know, you never make it to the prayer room. You never talk to God. And that concerns me. That bothers me. I'm not trying to judge you. But that bothers me. Because there's. what is your answer to get up out of your depression? What is your answer to get up out of your oppression? What, what, what is your answer? In this time of struggle and battle, where are you going to find strength to wait on God? Where are you going to get the strength to go on when you don't see His promises fulfilled in your life? You're going to have to have a relationship with God. You're going to have to talk to Him. You're going to have to know He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You're going to have to know that He's with you. You might not see the blessings manifested in your life, but if you've got God, You got everything you need. If you got God, you got everything you need. And God knows everything. So when he comes to Abraham, he says, I am. Look at this. By the word of the Lord, he says, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield, I am thy exceeding great reward. You need to see that. You've got God in your life today. If He's your God, if He's your friend, if He's your Savior, what an awesome thing. To be able to say that God is my friend, God is my Savior, God is my peace, God is my strength. To have God in my life is more important than to have any blessings that I might see. Amen? So you've got to get in a relationship with God. That is so strong that no matter if you don't see the manifestation of His promises in your life, you still got the promiser. You still got the God of glory. Hallelujah. And I look at some of you, and some of you have tremendous difficulties, things that you're facing in your life. And I look at you, and the only way you can be making it right now is if you know God is with you. The presence of the Lord is with me. And I'm not seeing it the way I would like to see it manifested going on in my life, but I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to believe Him. The promises are going to come. He will put action to what He's told me. Amen? But you're going to have to be patient. And by human nature, we're not patient. I've already told you. By human nature, I am not patient. Hallelujah. But I'm going to have to learn that. Amen? And some of you think, well, Lord, I don't know if I can go on anymore without seeing a manifestation. God says, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to learn patience. Are you, is this helping anybody here today? You look at yourself and you say, I'm not getting any younger. And if it don't happen soon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, I didn't get married until I was 26 years of age. Amen? And I didn't, I didn't have any kids until I was even older than that. Right? So you're just going to have to be patient. You're going to have to trust God and cultivate a relationship with God that's more important to you than anything else. More important to, than children. More important than a relationship. More important than money. More important than anything. you got to have a relationship with God. If you don't have that, you can have kids, you can have money, you can have health in your body, but if you don't have God, you're gonna be empty on the inside. You can have a good job and a well paying job and all that, but if you don't have a relationship with God, you're gonna find out you're empty. So you got to be patient. You got to know God, God, God is my peace. I'm not gonna fear. He is my shield and my exceeding great reward. He is all of these things to me. Amen? Hallelujah. And I see other people's kids in the church. Mine's not. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Get depressed? Get discouraged? Give up? Stop seeking God? No. i got to say, God, if You did it for them, You can do it for me. Amen? Amen? If you gave them children, you can give me children. If you bless them financially, you can bless me financially. If you sent that church revival, you can send this church revival. you got to be patient. We first started the church, there was only a couple of people in the church. Sister Sonia was one of them, amen? Brother Mark wasn't even in the church at that time. Sister Sonia and uh, one other family, and they're, they're no longer uh, in the church, but only a few people in the church. You get up, you got to preach by faith. Amen. You look at a couple of people, and of course, my wife was in the church. I can't forget her. Amen. Let me not forget her. Hallelujah. Didn't even have any kids then. I didn't have Jeremiah, didn't have Victoria. Is my wife, Sister Sonia, and one other family that I remember was in the church. We look up, we preach in empty pews. Amen. But I will tell you in those days, Sister Sonia will tell you the same thing. The anointed power of God came in those services just as powerful as He does with more people sitting here in the pews. Because we just believed God. We didn't look at the numbers. Amen? But we went on the radio. We, we preached on the radio, you know, and I remember in those days, We'd preach on the radio and we'd talk about having 15 people in the church. Amen. Well, that, that's a little bit embarrassing, you know, to, to be a pastor. And we had grown from, you know, less than 5 or around 5 to 15. But that's still kind of embarrassing to be on the radio and saying, you're a pastor in a church of 15. Amen. But you've got to keep on going. you got to keep on doing it. you got to keep on preaching. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? You gotta keep on praying. You gotta keep on seeking God. You gotta keep on believing. You hear about a church in the area, they're having a blowout. Big, lot of people showing up. And then you got 15. You're not careful. It'll start messing with your head. It'll start messing with you. Amen? But I thank God for what He's done because God is faithful. He's faithful. I'm telling you, He's faithful. But you got to keep believing in Him when you don't see it with your eyes. you got to trust God when you don't see it with your eyes. And then pretty soon it will start manifesting that faith. That faith that you have, it will start manifesting. You'll start seeing it happening in your life. Amen? We have to be people of faith, not people of sight. We can't be like Lot and go by sight. we got to be like Abraham who walks by faith. Trust God when you don't see it. Trust God when you don't have money coming in. Trust God when you don't see the blessings. Trust God when you're sick in your body. Keep praising Him. Keep worshiping Him. Keep glorifying Him. Keep doing His work. He said keep doing His work. When you look around and there's not much fruit there as a result of the labor that you put in. You keep doing His Word. You keep preaching. You keep praying. You keep being anointed by God. God honors faithfulness. Amen. You need to understand this. God is not moved by your need. God is moved by your faith. How many of y'all believe that today? You come and go, oh God, I've got this need. God's just going to look at you. I know you, I know you have needs, but your need doesn't move God. Your faith moves God. Hallelujah. Any, anybody can get excited, amen, when they see things manifesting. Anybody can get excited when they got a church full of people. What you gonna do when you only got a handful of people? But you gotta preach like there's a house full. You only got a handful of people, but you gotta preach like there's a hundred. Shataraboko y'all hear what i'm saying today you're not a people of sight you can't go by your emotions amen when i first stepped in this pulpit hallelujah there's all kinds of stuff going on inside of me you ever get just messed up on the inside amen you don't even know why you just messed up on the inside your head's messed up inside emotionally you're all messed up Amen. But I am going to tell you something. You can't go by feelings. And you can't go by sight. You just got to believe God. And you got to do what God calls you to do. No matter what you got to face. No matter what you got to do. Amen. And when you do that, God's going to be there for you. Because I'm going to tell you, God's not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. And he knows when you're messed up in the head and he knows when you're having emotional struggles he knows where you are today hallelujah do y'all believe that right now and that's when god gets the glory when you just you, you just don't know what else you can do and you just say well lord you are the lifter up of my head i can't even lift my head up but you're the lifter of my head in the name of jesus It's not when you have it all manifested before you. That's not really when you're walking by faith. It's when you have just the opposite, when you have the promise, but you don't have the fulfillment of the promise yet. God gave that man a promise, but He doesn't see the promise yet. That's a great test. That's a great trial in your life. When you don't see it happening in your life, and I'm going to just tell you this, when you're falling to pieces on the inside, and all you've got is God, That's the God honored. God is honored by that. God is honored where you can stand there and you can worship Him and everything on the inside of you. You just don't have the feelings. Amen. You don't even know if you can lift up your head. I'm just being honest with you today. But God gets the glory when we live for Him by faith. Amen. You know, I, I pastored for a little bit and I've seen people come and people go. You don't know what that does to a, a pastor's heart when he sees people come and go. Amen? And he's got to keep on going. But they just they, they just decided to skip. They decided to tiptoe to the tulips, you know. Hallelujah. Well, i got to keep going. So does this church. Hallelujah. Amen? Give God a hand, a hand clap of praise. You just you just got to keep going. And you you know you look at your life. And you say, well, this one's not in the church, or that was not in the church. Well, I've gone through this multiple times, but I got to keep on preaching. I, I I don't I don't have the luxury of sitting on in, in my pew and just kicking back and just you know what I'm saying. I got to keep on preaching. All I'm trying to do to you is to encourage you. Is that when you're going through stuff, you're going to have to get up. You're going to have to serve him. It's not going to always go the way you want it to go. Amen? You're going to have to get up and keep going in the face of great trial, in the face of great testing that comes in your life. But God is with me. I feel Him this morning. He's already lifted my head. He's already touched my heart. But you do it by faith. You don't, you don't go by feelings. You do it by faith. Amen. And it's amazing if you'll do that, how God just steps in. Just just like that. Said, see, if you'll trust me, doesn't mean anything's changed. But you've trusted me and I'm with you. You can feel me. I'm everything you need. And I hope it's hope I'm blessing you today. Because I think we go by feelings too much. We go by sight too much. When our head's messed up, we go by that. Something going on in our life. Our, our, our emotions are all messed up. We go by that. Amen. And, and that's real. Hey, you, you, you just can't throw him aside. But He's the lifter of my head. He's my strength. He's everything I need. If I've got God, I've got everything I need. If you've got God, you've got everything you need. You've got to praise Him when you don't feel like it. you got to pray to Him when you don't feel like it. you got to believe Him. He gave me a promise that's in His Word. And I don't see it happening right now. Don't see it happening right now. Amen. God called call you to situations. You know, it would be wonderful if God called some of you to pastor a church that's already got a thousand people in. But what if He called you to pastor nobody? That means when you started, you didn't have anybody. And everything you did, you had to do by faith, and God, God had given you that Word. You look out and you see an empty church. I'm just trying to give you some understanding. You have to hold on to the promise of God. You have to believe God. I can't, I can't go by sight right now. Just give me some blinders, God. Just give me some blinders. I don't even want to see it, God. These are just evangelists for unbelief. That's all they are. This vision, these five senses I've got, all they are is evangelists for unbelief. And every one of us in this church have five senses. We all have five senses. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste. Amen? There's one more and I forget what it is. Feel. Feelings. 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 We all got five senses. But all they are is evangelists for unbelief. That's all they are. If you go by that, if I go by that, we'll never see what God wants to do in our life. Because we're going to have to learn to be patient. We're going to have to trust God. We're going to have to praise Him and pray and worship and live for Him and serve Him. Sometimes you look at your crazy marriage and it's crazy. It's crazy. You know it's crazy. You don't look at me like that. You know it's crazy. You go by your feelings, man. You'd, you'd have messed up a long time ago. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something. God can stir that fire back up. He can, he can give you the first love back. That you, That. you. I know it's hard for you to believe, but that's true. That's true. You can't give up on your marriage when it's not going the way it should, you've got to hold on to God. You've you got to trust God. you got to believe. You got to believe by faith because I'm going to tell you something. You get out of that one, you get in another one, the next one you're in is going to be worse than the one you were in. Then right, 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 right. I need a new woman. No, you don't. I need a new man. No, you don't. Hallelujah. Like well, I heard one man, my wife was sharing this with me the other day, one man said, you know, it's an old deal. I need a new deal. And then it's no deal. You know what I'm talking about? I agree with what he preached. Amen? Old deal, new deal, no deal? You got an old deal, you want a new deal. Get a new deal, it's no deal. You just can't go by feelings. You can't go by feelings when you serve God. You can't go by feelings in your marriage. You can't go by feelings when it comes to your children. You're just going to have to trust God no matter what you're going through. Look at your neighbor and help me preach. He's the lifter up of my head. If I didn't have him this morning, I would have. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to make it. If I didn't have God this morning, I'd be a basket case. If it wasn't for God, but I got him this morning. He's got me. You've got him this morning. He's got you. You got everything. Everything you need. I got everything I need. In Jesus. And I said, in Jesus. You can't go by it. You just can't, you just can't. You're gonna if you go by those things that you feel and what you're seeing, your emotions, those those five senses will take you right into unbelief and right out of the kingdom of God. I want to tell you something. My God is faithful. I've lived for Him for over 30 years. Almost 35 years. Almost 35 years. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been through some things in those 35 years, but I'm going to say one thing, one thing, and it's true. God has never failed me. Not one time. Not one time. Has God ever failed me? It is impossible for God to fail you. It's impossible. God cannot deny Himself. He can't fail you. It's impossible for Him to fail you. You say, well, God failed me. No, He didn't. He can't fail. God can't fail. I might fail Him, but He doesn't fail me. And I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to repeat it. I'm going to glorify Jesus today. He has never failed me, not one time in my life. He died for me. He gave His life for me. If He gave His life for me, I should be willing to give mine for Him. No strings attached. I said no strings attached. If it don't go the way I want to, I'm still going to live for Him. I'm still going to serve Him. There's no strings attached. Do you hear what I'm saying? Give God praise in the house. He's a faithful God. How many of y'all believe that today? He's a faithful God. He's never failed. I'm going to say it again. He's never failed me one time. Not one time. And I had to trust Him in very difficult situations and you have too. But I promise you, he never fails you. He can't fail you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> so we got to be patient. Got to wait on God, and it may take years before you see it. And a lot of I, I've tried to help people through the years, and they get impatient. You know, they take things into their own hands, and they want to make it happen in their time. And I look at him and I say, you just can't do that. It's just not time right now. You you know, just wait. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying wait. That's all I'm telling you is just wait. And I've seen saints get all upset. Leave the church because I just told them to wait. Can I tell you something today? Years have come and years have gone. But, but some of those situations that I tried to work with, Uh, to try to tell them to wait. Let me tell you, they're divorced today. I don't rejoice in that. Their marriages fell apart. They were in the church of the living God. Amen. I was trying to help them. They wouldn't listen. Their marriages fell apart. One man, young man I know, alcoholic, he just drinks all the time. He got thrown in jail. Used to be in the church. But just wouldn't listen to nobody trying to help them tell them just wait I'm not telling you no just wait you have to be patient and because they weren't patient they just walked out and they're in a mess today how many I don't want my life to be in a mess I don't want your life to be in a mess. I don't tell you that to gloat. That saddens my heart. But I'm telling you, there's people that are not patient. They're not willing to wait on the timing of God. Amen. It may take years, but I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm not going to marry the wrong person. Hallelujah. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not not quitting that church. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. The only way I'm quitting that church is if God has another one for me to do a work in. I'm not quitting that church. I've been through this. I'm telling you the truth. Before I ever started pastoring, I was in difficult situations. Difficult situations. And and my flesh was hurting so bad, I'd lay on my floor. In the middle of the night, God said, God, when are you going to help me with this situation? I'm hurting so much. I've got so much pain. But God, I'm not moving. I'm not moving from this situation. I'm not moving out of that church until you call me to pastor. I don't care how much I'm hurting. I don't care what I'm going through. I'm not leaving this church until you call me to pastor. And it wasn't long after that that God called me to pastor. And that's the only way I would leave that church. No matter how painful it was, until God called me into the ministry because I knew if I did not make it in that house if I quit there I would never make it in ministry you got to hear what your pastor's saying people today are looking for a way out they're looking for an easier road we're not looking for an easier road God's called us to be patient he called us to wait on him he called us to trust him you got to stay put no matter how hard it gets People today, they get a job, it won't be a year or two, they have another job. Another year or two go, another, another job, another job, another job, another job, another job. Another job. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, once you get in the kingdom of God, you get in the church, you shouldn't go through this cycle of always changing jobs all the time, trying to find something better. Sometimes you just gotta stick with it, stay with it, see it through. Hallelujah. Amen. People in that business are looking for people that will be dependable. Hallelujah. That will stick it through. And promotion comes with that. But you you just can't just quit every time. You think it's going to be better somewhere else. you got to stick, stay with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know Sister Sonia and Brother Mark are going through a test in their life right now. And I didn't see Brother Mark. He's probably out. He, he likes to walk the back 40. You know, he'll... He'll walk, check the church out, you know, and he'll walk across the street. And, hallelujah, we just hope the bus do not run over him, and, you know. And, uh, you know, I, uh, where is he? I don't know where he is. He's just, he's, I'm sure, walking the back 40. <clears throat> Amen. And looked over, didn't see Sister Sonia, you know. And, but I looked at, up and I saw her. There she was. I said, there she is. She's just as faithful as she can be. It doesn't matter what she's going through. She's just as faithful as she can be. Praise the Lord. And then Brother Mark comes in after checking the back 40 out. He comes in, hallelujah, sits down on that pew. Praise the Lord. Just faithful as you can be. Amen. I want to tell you something. They're going through a trial right now. But it's about staying with God. I said it's about staying with God. Hallelujah. You stay with God and God will stay with you. You stay with God. God will stay with you. He's a good God. I said, He's a good God. And it might be happening faster for somebody else. But you are very wise if you will just wait on the Lord. You don't try to make it happen on your own. You wait on God. You say, God, hallelujah, my time's coming. Amen. And everybody right now is oohing and on. Woo, oohing ooh, and on. But my time's coming. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Give the Lord a hand clap for us. I'm trusting you. He's a good God, though, Jerry. I'm gonna tell you something. He's a good God. You singles don't think that you gotta change churches to find the right one. You don't think God can bring somebody in here and, and save them and deliver them and prepare them for you? You don't think that? I tell you, that's the truth. I, I went to a church. When I first started that church, it a small church, praise the Lord. And when I walked in there, the only girl that was in that church was a 13-year-old named Christina. She's the only one that was in there. Are y'all hearing me? And I'm 18 years old, and a 13-year-old girl named Sister Christina is sitting on a pew, pray, just faithful to God, just living for the Lord, just such a sweet spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Tremendous relationship with God, praying and fasting and living for the Lord. Didn't even, you know, and every time I'd, I'd, I'd go to church, she'd say, hello, so kind. I'd say, hello. I'd say, hello, how are you? <laughs> well, don't, don't, don't think like that. She's 13. <laughs> but, but I just noticed how kind she was. Just how kind she was. Praise the Lord. And and I'm telling you, when you're 18 years old, you know, young man 18 years old, you, 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 hallelujah. It's hard. Amen. Temptations. uh, As soon as I got into church, would you believe, as soon as I got into church, temptation came standing on my front door. The most beautiful blonde-haired girl you've ever seen in your life. The only problem is she didn't have God in her life. Are you hearing me? Oh, there was a tug. See that blonde haired girl met me when I was in the world. And then I got in the church. Now what am I going to do with her? <laughs> well, praise the Lord. God worked that one out too. She was unfaithful to me, went out and, you know, got with somebody else, and I was hurting for a while. But I'm just telling you, I was lonely. I was 18 years old, and I was a young lonely young man going to church. And Christine, the 13 year old, she's the only girl in the whole church. Amen. And I waited five years. Five years. I said i waited five years and i taught bible studies to people as many bible studies as i could get i did the work of god soul winning by bus ministry whatever that was asked to do i served god in that church but i was lonely serving god but i was lonely hallelujah busy for god but i was lonely and i would get down on my knees and i say lord i sure would like a pretty blonde I'm just being honest with you. Five five years. Five years. Lord, I want a pretty blonde. And all of a sudden, this blonde, blonde girl speaking in tongues, Holy Ghost girl, Jesus' name girl, comes to the church, gets in my life. Praise the Lord. I said, Lord, that must be the answer to prayer. She's that pretty blonde. And she got the Holy Ghost. And then the Lord started saying, You got to put her on the altar. I said, I don't know. What are you talking about, God putting her on the altar? She's the one for me. God said, put her on the altar. Said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'd be there working in the back there and in the back of the garage where I worked. And I'd get down on my knees before God. i said, God, you're telling me to put her on the altar. I don't want to do it, God, but here I'm going to do it. Because you require it." And I put her on the altar and she backslid out of the church. And I don't rejoice in that, but I'm just telling you, if I had stayed, I was engaged to be married to her. But I put her on the altar like God told me to do. She backslid out of the church. I don't think she's living for God today. Where would that leave me today? It would have changed, it would have, it would have messed me up. It would have messed my ministry up. But right after I put her on the altar, I'm talking about, are y'all with me? I've been I've been lonely for five years. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I think I said I got married when I was 26. I don't remember. Somewhere in there. But I, I put her on the altar, and guess what happened? As soon as I did that, here comes Christina. She graduates, she's 18. All of a sudden we have this little get together with the church because Sister Christina graduated from high school. And uh, so I go to this little party for Sister Christina and all of a sudden she's 18. Something happened that night. Something happened, it just happens. I don't know what happens, but it just happens. And, and, and somehow I ended up with, with her little flower that she wore at her graduation, and she sprayed that thing with San Sabre. <laughs> San Seba is a perfume. San Sabre. And and, and I, I put that, I had an old 1979 Trans Am that I was driving, and I put that flower right there on that you know visor. Praise the Lord, amen. It smells so good. I said, It smells so good. Uh, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> But I had to wait five years, and I was lonely, and I was tested, and I was tempted, and all these things, and had to trust God, and God told me to give it up, and I had to give it up. But He brought such a Christina in my life, Amen. That thirteen-year-old girl, the only one that was in the church <laughs> when I first got in the church, Amen. Make a long story short, we went to a youth to a youth conference, and I heard the voice of the Lord say again, "Put her on the altar." to Christina on the altar. That broke my heart. God had tell me to put her on the altar too. I thought that means it's over. God's God's gonna take her too. I put her on the altar. I broke up with her there at that youth conference. She walked around. She was so depressed the whole time. <laughs> I'd look at her look at her at that youth youth conference, and she's always sad. Hallelujah. Not sadder than me. Not sadder than me. You know. Amen. But guess what happened? God restored her. God gave her back to me, but he tested me. Are y'all with me here today? Now, and and we got married, as you can see, we've been married. I was talking to her the other night, and I said, "Uh, you know this, we have an anniversary, February the 1st. And I said, I think it's gonna be, what is that? She's 29 years, 29 years with the same person. I told her, I said, we've been together a long time. He said, that's right. We've been together a long time. 29 years. Are you with me here today? I'm just sharing you, I'm sharing with you this for a reason. Amen. It just, you're just gonna have to wait on God, you're gonna have to be patient. And it's hard sometimes. But if you'll be faithful to the Lord, God will start moving. Amen. His promises will come to pass. And they might not be blonde, but they're better than blonde. <laughs> She's better than blonde. Hallelujah. God gives you you better than you want. Amen. But I'm just sharing a little testimony with you. We've we've been through some tests and some trials in our life, but we learned to wait on God. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's a faithful God. So if it's relationships or whatever, you just trust God. And it's, it's amazing to me. One once Sister Christine and I got, you know, to seeing each other, uh, we'd go to church. Nobody even knew we were seeing each other because I'd sit on one pew. She'd sit on another pew and we'd worship God the whole time. Nobody even knew we were really even seeing each other. Hallelujah. Y'all with me? Except the pastor. he didn't. But we didn't sit together in church. And if you do, I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying we didn't do that because when we went to church, it was about God when I went to churches about God and we'd praise and we'd worship and we'd dance and we'd jump over the altars and everything else. Amen. She'd sit over there and I'd sit over here. Then all of a sudden we announced that we are engaged to be married and everybody goes, what? What? They come and they say, we didn't even know y'all were seeing each other. You're engaged to be married. What? Because y'all don't sit together in church. You with me here? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We just, we just had a passion for God. Hallelujah! I say we just had a passion for God. And I'm telling, I didn't, I didn't plan on saying all this to you this morning, but I'm just saying this, so you'll understand. You have to be patient. You have to wait. You have to walk with God. You have to trust God when you don't see it happening in your life, and you can't get out of His will. Because if you get out of His will, you got one big mess on your hands. One big mess on your hands. Then all you can do then is say, I wish how to listen. Because I got a mess on my hands. And God doesn't want you living like that. Hallelujah. God's got good things for you if you and I just wait for Him patiently. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let me just say this: God cares so much about your life today that He basically has. I pretty much have set aside up to this point what I was going to preach this morning just so God could talk to your heart. Just just so God could have a one-on-one with you to let you know you're going to have to trust Him. You're going to have to walk by faith. When you see other people getting blessed, you don't cop an attitude. You don't get bitter. Hallelujah. You see, you see it going good for them. How, how do you know it's going good for them? You, you know everything about their life? Do you know? Is it everything perfect in their life? No, you judge it based on what you're going through. You say, well, I'm going through this, but they're not going through that. But that doesn't mean they're not going through something else. And it might be bigger than yours. The Bible says we're not to, to judge each other by uh, each other. Amen. That's not wise, Paul said, for you to look at somebody else and, and to judge yourself based on their life. You've got to stay faithful to God because you don't know everything that they're going through. You don't know all the battles that they're going through. Hallelujah. You might think it's all together, but I'm telling you today, you don't know everything. You don't know the cost they got to carry. You don't know the burden God has asked them to carry. You don't know that. All you can do is just look at your own life. And that one area of your life that you're having struggle with. You say they're not. I'm just telling you. You don't know the cross they're carrying. You you don't know the burden God has asked them to carry. You can't judge yourself by somebody else. You've got to be faithful to God. Brother Jerry, you be faithful to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Who knows, Brother Jerry? Who knows? You know, God is is starting uh, uh, to do things in the area of Zambia. Who knows? You, You might one day go over there. Hallelujah. There, there might be some young lady there. You thought she was going to be in America. and She wasn't even going to be in America. And You travel to Zambia and while you're ministering there, God connects you. What would happen if you did it all by yourself right here? And then you get over there. And I'm not prophesying that you will. It's possible. But you get over there and you've already got, you've already took it in hand, you made your own decisions, you got the person you wanted and you get over there and you see this young woman walk by you and the Holy Ghost said, that's your wife. And you have to say, but God, I already have one. He said, you got ahead of me. That's the one you shouldn't marry. What are you going to do then? That's why you don't want to, you don't want to get ahead of God. You want to wait on God. Because I promise you when that person comes, it's the right one, God will say, that's the one. But you've already jumped ahead of God. What are you going to do then? You jumped ahead of God. Temptation, right? And then the rest of your days, you're going to be thinking about that one you should have married that you that you can't marry because you got married to somebody you shouldn't have gotten married to because you were not patient. What a sad situation that is. Are y'all with me? Do you hear what the word of God is saying today? I promise you. I promise you, God will tell you. He'll tell you. You're gonna know it too. You know, you describe what you want, but God is saying, no, this is the one. Brother, you don't get ahead of God. How old are you right now? You're 26 years old. You're young. You're young. I know you feel old. I know you feel yeah, I'm getting older. I'm getting older. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm getting older. Praise the Lord. God, look at... Just every, every time you start getting tempted, whether you start getting lonely, you just say, God is able. Yeah, that's right. You walk on that parking lot, you're selling those cars, you just say, God is able. God is able. God is able. I don't see it right now. I might have to wait 25 years. That'll make you 51, right? I promise you better to be fifty one with the right one than twenty-seven with the wrong one. Woo. All the married people say amen. 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 That is the truth. That is the truth. How I many love the Lord? You just you just walk you just say God is able. God is able. Made a promise to me. God is able. Amen. And Brother Jared might not even want to be married. He might have the gift of singleness. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, see, I, I hardly ever get any response out of him. I got one then. Instead of saying, yes, Lord, stand it up. Yes, Lord, amen. He said, I don't have that one. Amen in Jesus' name. I don't have that one. I don't have that gift. I know I don't have that (laughs) gift. You just got to wait on God. I'm telling you. And you cannot look at other people's lives... You, you, listen, you can't even really travel the same road that they traveled to get where they are always. Because God may have a different road for you to travel to get where He wants you to get. Are y'all with me here today? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm going I'm to walk it the same way Pastor walked it. You can't walk it the same way Pastor walked Amen? He may take you a little bit different direction than He took me. Amen. Thank you, thank you. I didn't find my wife on the mission field. He might. You with me? But you know what? When I got related, got in that relationship with my wife, you know what she told me? She said, God called me to be a missionary. She called me to, He called me to be a, I believe God wanted me to be a missionary. That's what she told me. That's how committed and how dedicated she was. Awesome. Are you all with me? Well, we've been to Taiwan, the mission field. Are you all with me here today? We have, we're not missionaries. We, we are missionaries here, local missionaries. Amen. In America, but there, who knows what where God's going to lead us eventually? Now, I'm not saying to to uh, to pastor somewhere else. All I'm telling you is this: is that you can't travel the same road always, because there's different. Are you with me? There's different roads that'll take you to the same place, same destiny. You say, but Lord, I miss my plane. I miss my plane. Let me tell you something, if you miss your plane, it doesn't mean you've missed the will of God completely. You can catch another one and still get there. There's more than one plane that will get you to your destiny. Do you hear what your pastor is saying? He said, I had to catch that plane, and because I didn't catch that plane, I'm not going to be able to get to my destiny. I'm telling you, there's other planes that will get you there. Catch the next one! Catch the next one! But you have to stop trying to make it You're on your own. Live it on your own. Making your own decisions. God has to be in it. He's got to be in my life. He's got to be in your life. I'm trusting Him. I'm trusting Him. He said, fear not. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great rewards you walk with me till you see the manifestations you walk with me give the Lord a hand clap of praise but I am trying by the Holy Ghost this morning to try to keep you from making bad decisions trying to teach you how to how to walk with God by faith when you hurt everything on the inside of you is falling to pieces Amen. your head's messed up you ever been there? Hallelujah. am I the only one you know I'm sitting back there and I, I just think thinking to myself you can't let on that you're going through anything you can't let them see that you're going through anything you know because you're the man of God and you got to be the example and that's going through my head but I'm telling you right now there are times when I'm messed up in my head I am messed up in my emotions and I just got to keep on preaching and keep on serving hallelujah I gotta keep on believing him. Sometimes I don't feel good in my body. That doesn't mean that I have a lack of faith. Hallelujah. Here we are today. He's still my God. I go through tests and trials just like you. That doesn't mean that, that we're not where we need to be in God. But I thank, I thank the Lord today that He's my answer because He's helped me already this morning. Please help me already this morning. But you can't just become idle in your walk with God. You can't do it. You got to stay busy. You got to serve the Lord. You got to keep praying. You got to keep worshiping. You can't let the emotion get the best of you. Can't let your head. Amen. Are y'all with me right now? Whew. How many of y'all would say Amen to this? If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd have lost my mind. <laughs> if it wasn't for Jesus I'd have lost my mind if it wasn't for Jesus I'd have lost my marriage if it wasn't for Jesus I'd have lost everything if it wasn't for Jesus but Jesus stepped in it's because of Jesus I'm still married today it's because of Jesus I haven't lost my mind It's because of Jesus. I haven't lost everything. It's because of Jesus. He gets the glory. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be dead right now. If it wasn't for Jesus. Amen? I don't know where I'd be without Him. If it wasn't for Jesus in my life. He's my everything. I said, He's my everything. He's my everything. And He's got to be your everything. Abraham, fear not. I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. I give you peace when you have fear. There must have been fear in Abraham for God to say to him, fear not. But God will come to you when you're having the emotion of fear and he said, Don't fear, I'm your peace. When you're afraid the enemy is going to invade from every direction, I'm thy shield. And then he says, I'm your reward. I'm your prize. If you get Jesus as your prize, you get God you get God as friend, God is Savior. That is the greatest thing you could ever have in your life. To have God as your friend, God is your Savior. There's nothing like that. I'm telling you right now. He's my everything. He's my everything. Amen. Abraham goes to God. And this is... This is what you should do. Amen. As you're waiting patiently on the Lord and you don't see the manifestation of the promise of God, it's a test. Let me just say it to you this this way. God, will give you a dream, brother. And then it looks like the dream is dead. Are y'all with me? You'll go through that time when God gives you that promise, gives you that dream, and then you'll also go through that time when it looks like the dream is dead. God, you promised it to me. It looks dead. Sarah's womb's dead. Gonna be dead. Abraham can't have children. It's a dead dream. And then, do you understand what I'm saying? The promise, the dream, and then it looks like the dream is dead. And then right at that moment, God will step in and make the dream come alive. Hallelujah to the Lamb. But it's okay. It's all right for you to go to God and say, God, you made some promises to me, and you're not not coming uh, arrogantly to God. You're coming boldly in faith. And God's made this promise to you. Okay, well, here's what a lot of people do, brothers and sisters, is that when they don't see the manifestation of the promise and it looks like the dream's dying, what do, what do we normally do? We go to people. We go to people and say, uh, can you give me some advice? Can you help me with this? You know, uh, uh, you're, you're looking for the answer from a person. Amen. Or you're trying to make it happen on your own. And they'll get into that trap in the next chapter. They'll fall into that trap. Sarah and Abraham are trying to help God make it happen. Do you understand? But right now, Abraham's doing the right thing. He's going to God with it. He's talking to God. That's what you do. You don't see a manifestation of a promise. What do you do? You don't go to somebody. You might talk to your pastor about it. But you don't go to just everybody and try to get the answer from every human being, you take that need to God. You talk to God. If He's the one that made you the promise, if He gave you the dream, then He will be the one to make it happen. If it's not happening, you've got to go to God. Abraham did the right thing by going to God with it. There's some situations you can't even take to your husband, you can't take to your wife, nobody else. You just have to go to God with it. Talk to God about it. And that's what Abraham did. He was concerned about the seed. He was concerned about his children. And then God will talk to him about the soil. He was more concerned about the seed, his children, than he was the soil, the land. And he takes it to God. And that's what we should do. Take it to God. How many of y'all take, take your needs to God? You take your needs to God. What Abraham did. He took took his need to God. Abraham said, Behold to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Let let Eliezer be the the seed. Let him be the promised seed. He's the chief servant. Amen. He's been faithful. Let him be the seed. God says, No, I'm not gonna let you stop short. Don't stop short of my will. You understand? Thank God, God wouldn't let him stop short of his will. Abraham said, Here's a solution. God, I got a solution for you. Let Eliezer, my servant, let him be the heir. Hallelujah. Which, according to that culture, had probably been okay culturally. But the Lord said, No, that's to stop short of my will. Thank God. Thank God. Oh, I hear the Holy Ghost talking. See, some of you. You were in places, okay? And you were in the will of God at that time. You were in the will of God at that time. And doors started closing on you. And you couldn't figure out what is going on. The doors are closing on me here. You couldn't figure it out. You were content to be where you were, but the doors closed. And the reason why they closed on you is because God said, I'm not going to let you stop short of what I have for you. Exactly. Give God praise. I remember Brother Thomas going through things, Preto. Going through things in his life. He's he's a welder, contractor, you know? And it gets slow. He'd lose his job. It gets slow. He'd lose his job. And he's the kind of employee that nobody wants to get rid of. He's just that good. And and so when, when doors would close and I remember one elderly gentleman. Uh, he was working for it. He just told him, he said, "Don't have any more work." And, and Brother Thomas, this is a difficult situation. That door is closing. He called me up, and we were talking about. It. I said, "Brother, it's just because God's got something better for you. He's got something better for you." And Nora, the door would close. The same thing. got something better for you. He's now a foreman over many men. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And when God shuts that door, don't get mad at God. You say, God, all of this is doing is just put pointing me in the right direction. You it's pointing me in the way I should go. You got something better for me. Hallelujah. To the land. Y'all praising the Lord right now? You might not be making more money, but you got peace. You might not be making more money, but you're not going to die an early death because of all the stress. You get to spend more time with your family. You get to be faithful to your God. You know how it is. Abraham brought the plan, brought his plan to God. God said, no. If I go with this, if God goes with your plan, it's going to stop short. Don't stop short what God has for you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. (laughs) In verse 4, the Bible said, and behold, the word of the Lord came into him saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. God is saying, we're not stopping short. I made a promise to you and this promise is going to be fulfilled to the letter." Amen? We're not going to accept anything short of the will of God. No wonder when Jesus got on His knees there, He's fixing to go to the cross. That wouldn't be a fun thing to do, to go and get your hands nailed to a tree, your feet nailed to a tree, your side pierced, your head crammed with thorns, to die on an old rugged cross. That wouldn't be fun, would it? In that garden, though, He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Nevertheless, I'm not going to settle for anything less than the will of God. Never, never, nevertheless. I'm not going to stop short of what God wants me to do. Never, never, nevertheless. That's why I need that earpiece. And I'm going to lose my voice. I thank God the prophetess is preaching tonight. Nevertheless, when the cross is in the plan of God for you, nevertheless, because when you die, Jesus, on that cross, you will see your seed. You won't have children Before that time, you're going to go to a cross and you're going to die a cruel death. But when you come out of the grave, you're going to see your seed, Isaiah says, in the 53rd chapter, you're going to see a multitude of people because you're willing to sacrifice, you're willing to suffer, you were willing to go all the way to Calvary, nevertheless. Abraham, nevertheless you are not going to come short of the will of God. We don't, we're not going to have ulterior. We're not going to do that. We're not going to play that game. It's not an ul, ul, ulterior way and another way. Are you with me here today? An alternate way? No, it's God's way. I said it's God's way. The Bible says, Amen. See, he goes to God and God gives him the answer. He's having to wait patiently. He hadn't seen the action yet, but what does he do? He goes to God and God talks to him. God gives him the answer. He says, we're not going to come short of it. It's going to come out of your bowels, Abraham. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer, but it's still going to happen just like God said it was. Amen? Now watch this. He brought him forth abroad and said, look now. Toward heaven. Abraham looked toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. You go out there and you see if you can count all the stars there. The heavenly seed. You can count all those stars. He says, So shall thy seed be. So remember, God told Abraham, Your seed's going to be like the dust, the sand of the sea the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven. You know what God was telling him? You're going to have physical children, the sand of the sea. Amen. But what he's showing Abraham right now is his spiritual seed. He's showing him the church. He said your seed's going to be like the stars of heaven, a heavenly people, the church. He's showing him the church. You're going to have a seed like the sand of the sea, the dust of the ground, but that's just natural. You think about Abraham. The Arab people today are descendants of Abraham through Ishmael, physical seed. You think about Israel today, the seed of Abraham physically and slash spiritually in some case. And then you have another seed. It's the heavenly seed, the stars of heaven, people out of all nations of the worlds is the, the stars, the seed of Abraham by faith. So you, you've got people that phys- are physical, the natural seed, the dust of the ground. you got people that are physical and some of them spiritual. And then you've got people that are spiritual out of all nations. And Abraham is the father of those people. He's the father of you. He's the father of me. I might not be physically connected to Him, but spiritually, I'm a child of Abraham by faith. You look at those stars, Abraham. That's the way your seed's going to be. Isn't that awesome? Give the Lord a praise. When God showed Abraham those stars in the heaven, He showed him you. He showed him me. He showed him believers out of all nations of the world, the true seed of Abraham, uh, those that walk by faith. Now watch. And the Bible says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Look at this. It's not just about his generations or his seed. God says, because you believe, I'm going to account it to you for righteousness. Abraham, not only are you going to have children, but you are going to be saved. Because your faith in God is the kind of faith Amen? That brings salvation or righteousness. Abraham, not only are you going to have children like the stars of the heavens from multitude, but you're going to go to heaven. You're going to escape hell. Are you hearing me? You're going to escape hell. You're going to go to heaven. Wow, think about that. Think about that one. This verse right here declares Abraham's salvation. That's amazing. This man's going to go to heaven. He's going to escape hell. Are y'all with me? If you are, say praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You're going to produce sons in the kingdom. But Abraham, you're going to go to heaven because you believe. And righteousness is accounted unto you. Are y'all here? Do y'all understand that? Verse 7. He said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So God said, all right, I promise you the seed. Now I'm going to promise you the soil, the land. Amen? Now, uh, help me God. Just real quickly, if you go to the book of Galatians chapter 3, you'll find out that the seed in uh, Genesis 12, is speaking of Jesus, singular, plural, His seed. The seed of Abraham, He's the seed of Abraham. And those that are connected to Him uh, are the seed of Abraham, okay? But in this passage, it's, it's a, a word that is plural, so it represents can be singular and can be plural at the same time. So it's talking about the vast numbers of people that will come out of the loins of Abraham, naturally and spiritually speaking, but in this passage, spiritually speaking. Okay, let's go on. Then He deals with the soil, the land. He said, I am, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Because that's a legal tra- transaction. You're promising me land, God, that belongs to somebody else. How can it become my land when it belongs to somebody else? Those are the people living there. How can it become mine? There has to be a legal transaction that takes place here in order for that to happen. God, you promise it'll be mine, but somebody's living in the house. So God, Abraham rightfully so, not because of doubt, but by faith. God, how is this going to become a reality? You understand what I'm saying? He believes what God said. But there's a legality involved here. There's a process. How's that land going to be transferred to him when it's in the possession of somebody else? Woo! God still made the promise. Now watch this. And so he says, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Here's what the Lord tells him to do. He said, All right, I'm going to require of you a sacrifice. I'm going to require a covenant. My promise is given to you, but I must have it ratified, I must have it confirmed, it must become a reality, so there must be a contract. You understand? The land belongs to God. He can give it to whoever he wants to. But if Abraham, if you're going to be the recipient of that land that belongs to God, you have to have a contract with God. Does that make sense? For us today, when you enter into a contract, it's ratified or affirmed and becomes real when you put your name on it. In those days, it was different. If the land belonged to God and He wants to give it uh, to Abraham and his seed, there has to be a contract. It has to be a legal operation here called the covenant. And God is saying, I've got to have a covenant relationship with you, Abraham. I'm going to enter into a contract with you. And it's not by signing your name to a piece of paper. It's different. It's called a covenant. A blood covenant. Right, you with me? God's saying if you want to know how I'm going to do it, it's going to be by a covenant, by a contract. Oh, are you all with me? How many of you all know if you saw a house somebody else lived in? Amen. Somebody walked up and you said, I want, I'm going to give you that house right there. But Lord, there's somebody living in that house. You with me? How can I move in? Well, if you moved in without any contract, you would be in trouble. But if the person that owned the house uh, got together with you and you entered a contract with that person, you walk up to the person that's living there and say, I got a contract with the owner. I now own this house. You'll have to move. That's what we're talking about here. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so that contract, that covenant that he would enter into, had to be by blood. And so God tells Abraham, Here's what I require of you. Amen for that contract to be ratified. That agreement to become a reality. He said unto him, take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Are you with me? You're going to take those five. Now just a side note, because all this passes through Calvary. It passes through the blood. It passes through Calvary. It's fulfilled at the cross, but some of it goes through the cross. Now let me explain what I'm talking about. He said, you take and you kill What? You take, a, you take a heifer. Three years old, a heifer. Say a heifer. He said, you offer a heifer three years old. A heifer is, is one seeking a mate. A heifer. In, you got five sacrifices here. Fivefold ministry. The heifer is a type of the apostle. One seeking a mate. And then he says this. You're going to offer that. He goes on and he says, and a she goat, three years old. A she goat is a type of a pastor feeding its young, even in difficult places. You get it? A she goat, a she goat is an animal that's feeding its young, even in difficult places. That's what the pastor does. It feeds the young, even in difficult places. He told him also. He said in a ram of three years old. A ram. A ram is a type of the prophet. A ram points the way. A ram finds the direction of God. That's the prophet. A ram. And then he says a turtle dove. A turtle dove is a type of the teacher in the fivefold ministry. The spirit of truth. Rest upon that individual to preach the truth, the turtle dove. And then he says, number five, bring a pigeon. A pigeon is the evangelist. He carries the message. And so all of this is a type of the five-fold ministry. I'll say it again. We have the heifer, one seeking to make the apostle. We have the she-goat, the pastor feeding the young, even in difficult places. We have the ram, which is a type of the prophet pointing the direction. Hallelujah. Finding the mind of God. Are y'all with me here today? Direction. We have the turtle dove, the spirit of truth, resting on that man, teaching truth. We have the pigeon, which is the evangelist, carrying the truth here in this passage. He says, you take these, you kill them. Not that you're supposed to do that to me or the ministry. Amen. But he said, You're going to, you're going to, we're going to enter into a covenant. You take those animals, except the birds, and you cut them in half. Covenant in the Hebrew and in the Greek means to, the word covenant means to cut a covenant. To cut a covenant. And that means you're going to cut the animals in half. Their blood is going to be shed. To cut a covenant by the shedding of blood. This is a blood covenant. It's a contract. So Abraham, you take those animals. You cut them in half. You lay them side by side. Except the birds because they're too small. So we got two birds. You lay them out side by side. And then God's going to enter into a covenant with this man. The way that they would do it, <clears throat> cut a blood covenant, is they would cut those animals in half. Uh, brother, come here, help me. <clears throat> they would stand back to back. <clears throat> they would look down at the animals that had been cut in half. The blood is flowing and the blood is mingling. <clears throat> they would walk through the, the halves of the animals in a figure eight like this and come back and they would face each other face to face. Thank you, brother, alright? So the blood is shed, the animal is sacrificed here, and they're moving through the parts of the animals. In a figure eight, they come and face each other. Then, in that culture, they would cut their wrist one party, a covenant means an agreement between two parties. This contract, they would cut their wrist after the animals have been slain and they've walked in that circle and faced each other. Cut their wrist, they would put their wrists together. There'd be a mingling of blood. I in you, you in me. They would do this so that it would form a scar. And they would exchange names. Are you with me? And then they would sit down and they would eat a covenant meal, bread and wine. And then they would plant a tree and sprinkle it with blood. That's what they would do in in establishing the Hebrew culture. That's how they would establish a blood covenant. Now watch this. What we see here is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ we see the, the blood covenant, the, the, new covenant in his blood laid out for us typically in this passage. What Jesus did, he became those animals. He, he typically was in an ultimate sense. He was uh, the heifer typically. He was uh, the she goat. He was the ram. He was the turtle dove. He was the pigeon uh, uh, that was slain and the blood shed he did that at the cross amen and also in a a process of that covenant there would be an exchanging of garments i would give you my robe they would give me their robe i would give them my belt for armor they would give me their belt for armor so weapons of war amen and a robe now i'm going to get all this together so you'll understand But Jesus fulfilled this on the cross. He cut the covenant with us. He died for us on that cross. He shed his blood. Are y'all with me here today? He desires to enter in a covenant with you and a covenant with me. Now, he shed his blood. Um, after that blood was shed, I told you about the mingling of blood. They cut the wrist, the mingling of blood. They become blood brothers. And they'd make a scar. And what they say is, I in you, you in me. Jesus died for us on the cross, and He made a way for uh, us to experience that. He said, I in you, you in me. I in you, Jesus, by the Holy Ghost, by His Spirit coming to live inside of you, and you in Him by being baptized in water in the name of Jesus. They formed the scar that was the seal of the covenant. The seal of the covenant is when you speak with other tongues, it's a sign you have been, you've entered in covenant with the Lord. Amen. And then there's an exchange of names. You study the word of God, the Bible says that God took the name of a man. Here in this passage, He started saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He took the name of Abraham into His name. In the 17th chapter, God called Him, instead of Abram, called Him Abraham. Put the letter Hey out of His name, yod hey vav heh or Elohim. Put the letter Hey into Abram, and Abram became Abraham. So that the name of Abraham is in the name of God and the name of God is in the name of Abraham. And that happened when you were water baptized in the name of Jesus. You took His name. There was an exchange of names. And now we celebrate the covenant meal, the bread and the wine. And the, the tree that would be planted, sprinkled by blood is the cross. you understand that? He gave me a robe of righteousness, a robe of salvation. He gave me Himself. He gave me His protection. He said, I'll fight your battles for you. That's the belt. Do you understand that? So everything that a blood covenant talked about in Hebrew culture has been fulfilled in Jesus. I'm in a blood covenant today, right now. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ. He shed His blood for me on Calvary's cross. He entered into a covenant with me. I received His Spirit. I got baptized in His name. He said, I'm in you and you're in me. There's been an exchange of names. I took His name in water baptism. Hallelujah. He's become my God. He gave me His robe. He gave me His self. He gave me His weapons. He said, I'll fight my battles for you. I eat a covenant meal with Him. Hallelujah. Bread and wine, the emblems of the finished work. And there's been a tree that's been planted sprinkled with blood, and that tree is Calvary. It's the most solemn covenant that a person can enter into. It's no, there's no greater covenant in the world greater than a blood covenant. The closest thing you can get to that is marriage covenant. It's the closest thing you can get to it. Amen. And that's the kind of covenant we're in been ratified by the blood of Jesus hallelujah and then once you enter into that covenant with that person the terms of the covenant are discussed here's what I'm gonna give you here's what you're gonna give me and we're gonna see this right in this passage here we're gonna see the terms of the covenant laid out God said this is what I'm gonna do for you Abraham Amen? But in a covenant, it's not one-sided. It's not one-sided. In a covenant, there's assets and liabilities. Jesus took my liability of sin. He paid for that liability on the cross. My liability was sin. That was my liability He took. What liability of God am I responsible for? What do I owe God? I owe God the responsibility to serve Him. He took my liability of sin. Hallelujah! I take His liability and I say, I'm going to serve you, God! But not just liabilities, but assets in a covenant. All the wealth of the person you've entered in a covenant becomes available to you. Are you here? assets and so god gave everything all his assets for me he said i'm not exceeding i'm thus not not exceeding great rewards i am are y'all with me here today if god gave me all of that he gave me the gift of the holy ghost he gave me the gift of forgiveness he gave me himself that's the asset he gave i'm joint heirs with jesus christ if that was his assets what do i bring hallelujah I have a responsibility to bring him my tithe I have a responsibility to bring him my are y'all with me here today he can come to me at any time in this covenant and he can come to you at any time in this covenant and say I want this from you I want your assets and you cannot say no You cannot say no when you are in covenant with God. Your tithe belongs to Him, but not just your tithe. If He comes and asks you for anything, you've got to say yes because you're in covenant with God. And God's going to keep His promise to Abraham. And God's going to give him a son just like He said He would. But He's going to test Abraham. He's going to test Abraham. Abraham, I'm requiring that son God will come after He gives him that son and says, Abraham, I'm going to test you. Are you really in covenant with me? I'm asking you to give me your son, your only son. And Abraham had to pass the test of a covenant. He could not say no to God, even though God said, I want your son. you understand what your pastor's preaching? Because all the liabilities, hallelujah, in that contract, are a part of that contract. And all of the assets are part of that contract. And you can't say no. If at any time you decide to break that covenant, or the other party in agreement with you in that covenant breaks that covenant, said, remember those animals that were cut in half. It said, if you break this covenant, you say if i break this covenant let me be like these animals right here let me die the death if i break that covenant it was a binding covenant there was no covenant more more strong than a blood covenant with me? i have the name of jesus i have the holy ghost i've been sealed with the spirit of promise Now, when the enemy comes and attacks me, hallelujah, you know, in that culture, they'd lift their hand, they'd see scars. So, if the enemy attacked them, they'd lift up their wrist and show the scar. And that person would say, If you attack me, you're not just attacking me, you're attacking all these people I'm in covenant with. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. One man went to Africa. I I forget right now. My memory fails me. One man went to Africa. He entered into 50 covenants with 50 chiefs in Africa. And if any tribe attacked him, all he did was pull his shirt up and show those 50 scars. And he said, if you attack me, you're, you're attacking 50 chieftains. They'll fight for me. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So when the enemy comes against us, we just say, in the name of Jesus. He's in me. I'm in him. When you attack me, you're attacking Jesus. When you attack the church, you're attacking Jesus. Give God a hand cup of praise. Sometimes you can feel that enemy coming against you. Hallelujah! But you're in a contract, you're in a covenant with the King of kings and Lord of lords. You remind the enemy when he attacks you, just remember you might attack me, but you're not just attacking me, you're attacking Jesus Christ. You're attacking God. You can't win this battle. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise. Give the Lord a praise. And so Abraham did as the Lord said to enter into that contract, that blood covenant. The Bible says that God put him to sleep supernaturally. He goes to sleep supernaturally. And the Bible says supernatural darkness fell upon Abraham. God's letting him know even though you're in covenant with God, sometimes you go through dark times. Sometimes you go through a trial and I'm going to give you a prophecy that's going to tell you you're going to be a stranger in the land of Egypt for 400 years. You're going to go through a difficult time in your life. But remember the covenant. Are you with me here right now? So he goes to sleep and this darkness comes over him. And God passes through the parts by Himself. God is saying it's an unconditional covenant Abraham that I'm about to make with you it's it's that covenant hallelujah is going to be backed up by God himself this covenant is going to be backed up by the throne of God himself you'd have to kick God off his throne in order for God's promise not to be fulfilled in that covenant it's an unconditional covenant Abraham I'll make it unconditional." So he put him to sleep. Hallelujah. And the Bible says a furnace and a bright light went through the pieces of the animal. That furnace speaks of God in judgment. That light speaks of God in salvation. God in redemption. God is saying... I will judge I will vindicate my people against the enemy I am the light I am the Savior of the world I'm the Redeemer and depending on what side of God you find yourself will determine whether he's the furnace of fire judgment to you or light for salvation give God praise in this house But Abraham, here's what I'm going to tell you is coming when you fell into sleep and darkness, it wasn't to destroy you. This sleep uh, and this darkness uh, was showing you it's an unconditional covenant. It's showing you, Abraham, that I am preparing you for a prophecy. All of these things, the darkness uh, and the sleep you're in, was not to defeat you or destroy you, Abraham. It's to prepare you for further revelation. It's to give you a Prophecy, Abraham. I'm gonna show you what the future holds. And so, are you with me here? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. but there's one thing Abraham you've got to do while you're awake and that's when the fowls of the air come down and try to devour your sacrifice Abraham you're going to have to drive them away let me tell you this right now when you bring something to God the fowls, the demon powers are going to come down and try to take it away you've got to say no, that belongs to God it's my commitment it's my dedication you can't Had it, and you got to drive the fouls of the air back. Are you with me? Give God praise in this house. There is a contest. The devil wants your time, the devil wants your energy, the devil wants your money. He doesn't want you to have time to serve God, he doesn't want you to bring your money to God. He doesn't want you to give your energy to God. You gotta say get back, I can't get so busy that I can't serve God, hallelujah. I can't get so preoccupied in getting rich in this world's goods that I don't bring what belongs to God to God. I can't get so caught up in the things of this world, giving my energy to those things that I don't have energy to worship God when I come to church. I've got to have energy to worship God when I come to church. I need money to bring to God. I need my service. And the devil wants that. Are you hearing what your pastor's saying? Do you have anything you can bring to God? Do you have any energy left to to bring to God? Do you have any money left to bring to God? Do you have any service left to bring to God? The enemy will come down and sweep down to take all of that. Are y'all with me here today? We have to be careful with our time, with our energy, and with our funds. Because the enemy wants to come down and take that which is dedicated to God. And Abraham said no. He drove the fowls back. Hallelujah. Right now, when you come to church, sometimes there's so many things the enemy's trying to bring. And it's, it's to take your commitment your dedication to God. Say no. I'm driving the fowls away. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And so God enters into that covenant. (coughs) And you need to understand this. Is that once everything was laid in place for the covenant to be ratified and verified for the contract to be entered into, God did not come immediately. There was time for the enemy to sweep down and try to take that which was dedicated to God away. You need to understand when you get everything in place, your commitment, your dedication to God, don't think that God is going to come down very quickly or move very quickly. He's going to let you wait a little bit. And He's going to allow the fowls of the air to try to come and take that dedication. You're going to say, no, 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 I dedicated that to God. I'm going hallelujah 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 I'm gonna serve him I'm gonna give my energy to him I'm gonna give my finances to him give the Lord a hand clap of praise you understand what your pastor's preaching to you this morning? The enemy will keep you so busy you don't have time for God. He'll make you so tired you don't have any energy to God. You give your energy to everything else, going to the movies, watching football games. Hallelujah! I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong in and of itself, but will you have energy left when you get through doing that? You're spending all your money on it. All your bills won't have nothing left over to bring your tithe and your offering. You've got to beat back the fowls of the air. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So, Abraham, I'm going to put you to sleep. And I'm going to pass through that covenant. You've done well. You drove the fowls back. Why do you think the devil, especially on a Saturday night, will keep you up till 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning? So when you get up to go to church, you don't have one answer energy left. Hallelujah. I'm I'm you thought that you thought that was just you. No, that was the enemy. The enemy. Hallelujah. I have to have energy to serve God. You have to have energy to worship God. Give the Lord praise in the house. You have to have, you have to set aside time to study the Word of God. You think it just flows out of me because, you know, God is just supernaturally just bringing all these things to me. That you have to put it inside of you. God can only bring out of you what's inside of you. And the only way He can bring it out of you is you put something in there. And if there's nothing in there, there's nothing that can come out. But that takes time. That takes energy. That takes effort. Give the Lord praise! And once you put it in there, then God will anoint you and it will flow out of you. But you're going to have to spend the time and the energy and even the money. Give God a praise today. But the enemy wants it. But you've done well, Abraham. You've done what i told you. I'm going to give you further revelation. I'm going to ratify this covenant. This land's going to be yours. Notice what He says. The Bible says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and, lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. He said, And Abraham know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve Will I judge and afterward shall they come out with great substance? God gave him four promises in that prophecy, but that prophecy didn't come until he fell into sleep and into darkness. God's letting him know first of all, Abraham, before it gets better, it's going to get worse. You understand what your pastor's saying? He said, Before you get the blessing, he said, There's going to be a time. Hallelujah. Where you're going to be in Egypt. I'll just bring it to you so you'll understand. You're going to be in Egypt in that darkness, in that furnace of affliction. For 400 years the time frame is given here. I'm not going to explain that to you right now. That's what God says. Get ready for affliction, Abraham. Get ready for a time of darkness for your nation, Abraham. But What you need to understand again is God is so amazing. Is that that time of captivity was only an incubation time for the nation of Israel to go from a little over 70 people to a nation of two to six million people? So God even used Egypt, Egyptian captivity to be an incubator for His nation to grow. Amen. Woo! Shikaradala Give God praise in this house. You're going to go into that time. You know what I'm saying. Don't you know what I'm saying? Give God praise in the house. You know what the Bible says. So even God used the captivity for growth. But He said, Abraham, that's not all of the prophecy. Amen. They're going to afflict you. You're going to serve them. And then verse 14, and also that nation whom they shall serve, will I judge? I'm going to judge it. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Hallelujah. You know God's Word came to pass. He went and He judged the nation. Those uh, false gods of Egypt judged that nation, brought them out by the blood of the Lamb. And when they came out, they came out with tremendous wealth. They came out with tremendous substance because God had promised it to them. You serve the Egyptians, now it's payday. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God will not be in debt to anybody. You serve and God says, I'm going to make sure you get paid for it. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You're going to come out when you do. You're going to have great substance. That's the kind of God we serve. Give Him a hand clap of praise if you're a true believer. If you're really the remnant of God and not just a spectator here today. Four things God told Abraham. Y'all with me right now? And I'm gonna He said He's promising them, bring him to the land that He promised them. Are y'all with me? Amen. Connected with the and I said there's four. Number fifteen, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in good old age. Number four. Said Abraham, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. But don't worry about it, Abraham when you die, number one, you're going to die, you're going to live a long time. And number two, when you do die, you're going to die in peace. Hallelujah. But Abraham, even when you go into the grave, God is telling him, it's an unconditional covenant, Abraham. When you go in the grave and you're not even on planet earth, God is saying, the promise I made to you, he said, I'm going to keep it even, even if you're in the grave. Give God praise. So that whenever Israel, when you study through the prophets and you see Israel go bad, when God could have and wanted to kill them, God said, I can't kill them because I made a promise to Abraham. Give God praise in the house. I made a promise to Abraham. They deserve my judgment, but I made a promise to Abraham.
1: And even though he's in the grave,
0: I'll keep my promise that I made to Abraham. Are you all with me? Ultimately, that promise is found in Jesus. If you study the book of Galatians in the third chapter, you'll find out that the promise that God made to Abraham, you know what it is? Number one, it's Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham. Jesus Christ. Number two, the promise He made is the Holy Ghost the spirit of promise. And the promise that God made with Abraham concerning the land, the land is only a type of eternal things. God said, I'll give him the world. I'll give him eternity. You with me here today? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So that covenant that God made with Abraham, He ratified it. He is an unconditional covenant. And even when Israel wasn't even worthy, God said, I'm still going to keep my promise to Abraham. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. Real fast. I know you're getting tired. Hallelujah. The Bible says in verse 16, But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet full. I'm going to bring them back into the land, but right now, he said, the, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. I've given them time to repent. Give them space to repent, the Amorites. He said, there's going to come a time, though, when their iniquity will come uh, to a place of fullness, and then I'm going to judge. Hallelujah. And I'm going to remove those people out of that land because, are you all with me here? They are not worthy of it. I'm going to remove the Amorites out of the land when their iniquity is full, and I'm going to bring you into the land Hallelujah. According to this contract and covenant that I have made with you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I love every one of you. I'm going to say one thing right now. If you don't receive the word of the Lord, what hope do you have? If you don't walk by faith in God, what do you have? I have stood in this pulpit at times and I've preached to people who all they could do was give me a blank blank stare the whole time I preached. And I tried to reach them and I preached my guts out of them. They stayed in a place where they refused to move. And today I would not want to tell you where they are. And you wonder, you say, what happened to so-and-so? I tell you! For years they heard the Word of the Lord and refused to respond. I tell you, you will go down the same road. My God is a God of grace and mercy, but He's also a burning, fiery furnace. He will bring His judgment upon those who reject His covenant and reject His Word. I want to move with God. I want to be like Abraham. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's time for you to shake yourself. It's time for you to stop responding to the Word of God. You'll be responsible someday for everything you hear preached from this pulpit. Every word that you've heard preached on this pulpit, you will be responsible for it one day. Even if you're in hell, you'll hear this word come to you over and over and over. And if you're in heaven, it is because you responded to it by faith. And that's what God wants. But nonetheless, you're still responsible for the word of the Lord you've heard. It's not just a good sermon. It's the word of the Lord. Give God praise. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. And so God tells him, He said, look at this carefully concerning the land. Hallelujah. He said, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant of Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river Euphrates. Are you with me here? You know how big the land is that God promised to the seed of Abraham? He tells you right there. He tells you all the way from the Nile River. That's Egypt. Egypt belongs to Israel. He says all the way to the Euphrates River. Let me just tell you, that includes, okay, the river Nile, Egypt. That includes Syria. It includes Iraq. Are you all with me? Give God praise in the house. And much of Saudi Arabia really belongs to Israel. They live in that little piece of land. But God made a promise all the way over to Iraq, including Syria, all the way over to Egypt. It all belongs to to Israel. Somebody said they never inhabited all the land. You look at the book of Joshua, and I believe it's the 24th chapter, of the Bible says they did. There was a time when they inhabited that large area of land, but there's coming a time prophetically when God will restore that to the nation of Israel. Give the Lord praise. And He says, not just the borders, He said, but I'm also going to talk to you about the people that are living there right now, so you'll know who I'm talking about. He says, this is the people, He said, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites and the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rathamites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. So hallelujah, not just the Lamb, but all the people too. That's what God promised Him. Hallelujah. And He ratified it by covenant. And when we have the nations of the world disputing and debating and fighting over whose land that belongs to, they completely disregard what I just preached to you. God gave that to the seed of Abraham. He gave that to Israel. Are y'all with me right now? It belongs to God first. Are y'all with me? And He gave it to them. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You thought I was going to stop, didn't you? You thought I was going to stop, didn't you? I'm not going to stop. In the 16th chapter of the Bible tells us that Abraham and Sarah decided to help God out. God had made a promise to Abraham concerning the seed and the soil. He ratified it by a covenant of blood covenant. But they lapsed in faith as time went by. And they decided we're going to help God out. So they got the flesh involved. And one day Sarah noticed that she couldn't have any children. And so she came up with a plan. She said, I've got Hagar over here. We got Hagar, this Egyptian maid, when when we went, when we backslide and went into Egypt, you remember? Remember that? We already preached that to you. When they went over into Egypt and backslid temporarily, uh, they picked up this Egyptian handmaid called Hagar. And Sarah couldn't have any children, so she decided, well, we're going to help God out, Abraham. i tell you what you do. You take my handmaiden, Hagar, and make her your wife. Are you all with me here? And let her have a baby. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This is a sin. I said, this is a sin uh, on behalf of Sarah. And and I'm sure, can you imagine if your wife were to tell you, you know, there's this pretty young Egyptian handmaiden living in your house, and and, uh, if your wife came to you and said, we can't have children, so go have sex with her. That'd be a big temptation for a man. Now, I know you don't want me to preach like that, but this is the Bible. Uh Uh-oh. Don't look at me like that, like you're all sanctified. That would have been a big temptation if your wife came to you and said, "Hey, go have sex with that young girl over there." Really? Oh, good. Are y'all here? I mean, we'll see. He's 80, he's 86 years old, man. He's not a young young you know dude anymore. Your wife tells you you're 86 years old to go have a relationship with a young girl. That's a big temptation you're going to have to overcome. His wife was in sin. Hallelujah, and he had to face that temptation. And, and so she says, "Here's what we'll do. We'll make it look right. We'll just make it look right. We'll let you. Uh, we'll we'll put. A, we'll make an arrangement here. She can be your wife, Abraham." No, it's sin. It's sin. You're trying to help God out. You're going to have a mess on your hands. It's a sin. Look at the Bible, what it says. And Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She said, and had a handmaiden, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee. Look at the terminology, real religious talk. I pray thee, going into my maid, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. What else you think he would do? And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar her maid the Egyptian after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. Verse 16 says, uh, he was 85 when this took place, 86, amen, praise God, uh, when Ishmael was born. He's an old guy. So they're going to try to dress it up. The Bible says that Sarah, okay, we'll call her your wife. Not so. That's what they did to make it look good, to make it look acceptable. And the Bible said, He went unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said And Abram, My wrong be upon thee. See, now Hagar's got a child with Abraham, which will become the Arab nation. You know the problems that Israel had with the Arab people, the Arab nations of the world. Uh, so now we see the results of that sin it is an Arabian people that would be in conflict with Israel. Notice what the Bible says. The scripture says that Hagar despised Sarah. See, I'm sure Sarah thought, I'm going to get honor out of this deal. Because my handmaiden's is going to give birth to a child. Amen. We're going to have a baby just like God promised. Amen. And I'll get honor out of this deal. But instead of getting honor, she got disrespected. The fruit of sin. So the Bible says Hagar despised her in her eyes. And then you know what Sarah does? Poor Abraham. She's the one that came up with the plan. Now she's despised by Hagar. And, and you know what Sarah does? Says... What I've done beyond you, Abraham. Blame it, Abraham. You threw it, basically threw, hallelujah, Hagar into Abraham's arms. You arranged it so it would look good, like he was, uh, married to her, you know. And now when it's all falling to pieces because your plan didn't work out like you wanted to, now you're going to point a finger at poor old Abraham saying you did it. How many of y'all been in that situation before? People came up with a plan. You gave into the plan. Hallelujah. You're with me here right now. You gave into it. You got suckered into it, right? So, and then when it don't work out the way the person wanted it to, then they start pointing the finger at you and say, It's your fault, Daddy. Hallelujah. Amen. I wish I could walk up there and just slap you. Not really. You see what I'm saying? See, sometimes when you think you're so smart and you've got it all figured out and you're going to try to help God, right? And then it goes to pieces. Then you've got to find somebody else to blame for your crazy self, for your crazy mistake. I know you don't like what I'm saying, but that's the truth. I said that's the truth. You don't want to take the, the blame for what you did. You want to blame somebody else. Holly, just look at your neighbor and just slap him for me right now. Just tell them you did it. I like that. The woman of God got two people. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You know what I'm talking about. You're the one that planned the plan. You're the one that came up with the idea. And when it didn't work out, you're going to put it on that old poor, poor person. Lord, help us all. Amen. I'm talking about a woman of God, I'm talking about a man of God, I'm talking about a covenant person able to sin on that level, commit sexual fornication on that level, to fall into that kind of deceit and deception on that level, the blame came on that level, that's a warning to you and it's a warning to me. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You want problems in your house? You won't have respect. You won't have honor. You'll have disrespect. And you'll be looking for somebody to put it on. You know what? I'm preaching this morning. And it is a little bit making some of you a little uncomfortable. Notice what the Bible says. And so verse 5, Sarah said, and, Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon you. I have given my maiden into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I would despise from her, her eyes the Lord's judge between me and you. <laughs> Amen. Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand to do it, it her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dwelt, dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Listen to me, this baby hadn't even been born yet. This baby's in the womb of Hagar. The Bible says that Abraham and Sarah both reject. You with me? Sarah is in a mess because of her sin. She's blaming her husband. Now she's kicking the girl out of the house and the girl's got a baby by her husband. A mess. Abraham's rejected the poor girl. Are y'all with me? Sarah's rejected the poor girl. I say, poor girl. She was caught in the middle of this crazy, crazy mess. Now she's got a baby by Abraham, maybe culturally accepted, and Abraham and Sarah is kicking her out. Rejected, man. You're on your own, baby. You understand? Because of their sin. It's not right. I said it's not right. In the 21st chapter, when later when Ishmael's born, and he mocks Isaac, God will tell them, tell them to remove Hagar. But not in this passage. They kick her right out of the house. And it was their fault. It really wasn't that young girl's fault at all. And so the Bible says this, I want you to know God is going to police it. I said, God's going to police it. I said, I'm going to tell you again, God's going to police it. The things that you and I do in life, that we, we, we try to do to cover up all of our mess and insanity and all the crazy decisions we've made and, and the things we we tried to remove and get out and tried to cover up, we didn't think anybody would know about it. I'm telling you, God knows about it. God will step in. He'll police the situation. I said, God's going to step in and police the situation. You don't get away with it. No, God sees it. God knows everything. She got sucked into this mess by Sarah and Abraham. It wasn't her fault. Are you all with me right here? What could she do? She's the servant of these people. It was culturally accepted, not biblically acceptable. And now they kicked her out. You understand? Because it's not going well in the house. All right. God says, all right. Don't worry about it, honey. I'm going to step in and I'm going to police this situation. I'm going to make them face what they've done. I'm going to make them face what they've done. So the Bible says she goes out (laughs) carrying this little baby in her womb. In verse 7 in the Bible, said the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. God stepped in to rescue her. This poor young woman, Hagar, God stepped in to rescue her. She's over in, she's in her wilderness. They kicked her out. They rejected her, brother. Are y'all with me right now? It was their wrongdoing. And here she is in a wilderness because of, I'm just going to call it some ignorant people, some stupid people that had done wrong and to cover up their wrong, they booted her out. So she goes into her wilderness. She's carrying that little baby in her womb. And the Bible says she goes over to a well and the angel of the Lord appeared to her. It was the Lord. The Lord appeared to her. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. When you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, sometimes it's just an angel, but many times the angel of the Lord was God manifested visibly before them. The angel of the Lord is God. God found that young woman by that well. said, I'm going to police this situation, honey. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about it. Abraham's my son. Sarah, my daughter. But they haven't done what was right. I'll take care of this situation. So God found her in that wilderness. Amen by that well. Hallelujah. She's going to learn some things about God. So you can expect if you're an Egyptian and you worship harsh, hard, idle gods that don't care, you can expect that. But Hagar's going to learn something about this God. This God is not like the gods of Egypt, cruel and unkind. This God will step in and help you. Hallelujah. This God cares. Unlike the gods of the Egyptians, this woman's going to learn about the true God of the Bible that He cares. He finds her by this well in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to sure is connected to the Word of God. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid. Oh, look at that. In the third verse, the Bible tells me that Sarah, They had to have, they tried to have this arrangement and said, okay, she'll be your wife, Abraham. When God sees her, He doesn't say, uh, Hagar, Abraham's wife. He says, Hagar, Sarah's maid. Amen. God didn't say that Hagar was Abraham's wife. He said, Sarah's maid. They said, Hagar was Abram's wife. There are some people married today that when God looks at that marriage, it's not, even, it's not a lawful marriage. He doesn't say that this is the wife of so-and-so because it's not a legitimate marriage. It, it happened, hallelujah. It maybe was arranged to cover up some sin, but when God looks at it and says, ah, oh, no, 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 no. You can call it marriage. I don't call it marriage. He didn't say Abraham's wife. He said Sarah's man. Called her by name. The Bible tells us here, look at it carefully. Amen. Now, that does I'm not saying go out and divorce your husband. I'm just telling you the Bible. Amen. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, Whence camest thou and whither wilt thou go? He said, I want you to face your past, honey. Where have you come from? You've got to face your past. There's some things that you need. There, there needs to be some repentance even in your life, Hagar. You got sucked into that trap, but you still need to examine where you've come from. You need to deal with your past. You need to confess to this, God, where you've come from. Basically, it's called repentance. And he says, are you with me? Whence comest thou? And then he said, where are you going? Look at it carefully. And whither wilt thou go? All right. Where's your destiny? Your destiny is connected to your past. We got to take you to your past so you can deal with your past so you can repent of the wrong in your past so that you can go forward into a destiny called heaven. If you don't deal with your past sin, you cannot expect it expect your destiny to be heaven. So God says, I need to talk to you, Hagar. I've come to help you. I've come to rescue you, but we got to face the past. And we got to know where we're going right here if you're not if you will not be honest enough to deal with the past we can't go forward and you're going to end up in the wrong place do you understand god wants to save us god wants to help us god wants to rescue us but we have to deal with we have to come face to face face to face face to face With what we've done in the past. Face to face. Until you come face to face with what you've done in the past. And stop living in an illusion. You can't go where you want to go. Give God praise in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach to you because I love you. You know why some people can't go forward? Because they refuse to face their past. Not live in it. But face it. Get it right. And once you repent, once you get it right, now we can go forward. Hallelujah. It's the way God comes. Where you been? Amen. Whence comest thou? Praise the Lord. And whither wilt thou go? This brings confession out of her. She said, I flee from the face of my mistress, mistress, Saraya. Confession time. She's honest. She said, I had to leave. The situation was such I had to flee from the face of my Mrs. Soraya. She's dealing with her past. Do you understand that? How many of y'all want to do this? You want to go forward in God? How many of you want to go forward in God? But you know there's some things in your past that you've made excuses for God is saying, you're going to have to face your past before you can go forward into your destiny. You're going to have to confess some things in your life, amen, that are in your past before you can ever go forward. Are you all with me? That's holding some of you back right now. I said, that's holding you back right now. Because you don't want to face it. You don't want to face it. You don't want to face the past. Say, but it's under the blood, Pastor. Yes, I understand that. But you still have to confess where you went wrong. And if somebody else went wrong, you have to say, God, I'm here where I am because somebody went wrong. Amen. Are y'all hearing this? All right, that feels like I'm just going over like a ton of bricks, but anyway. And the Bible says, And what is the instruction of the Lord? The angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. Go back. Go back home. And face it. Now look at this church. When she shows back up on the doorstep of Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarah, do you not also understand that what God is doing is letting Abram and Sarah know you got to deal with your problem. You're responsible for this problem. You tried to run it off, but it's at your doorstep. So it's not just about Hagar. It's more on you, Abraham and Sarah. You have to work your problems out. You can't just send them down the road. You gotta face your problem. You gotta work them out. You gotta deal with them. Here she is back on your front doorstep, Abraham and Sarah. What are you gonna do? You've got to deal with your problems. You understand what I'm saying? How many times people make a shipwreck of their service in a church and they don't want to face it, so they'll run down the street to another church and that pastor's not going to ask them any questions. What happened in the church that you were in? What happened? What happened? Well, maybe they won't won't be completely truthful like Hagar was. You understand? But God told Hagar, you go back home. You, Abram and Sarah, deal with the trouble. Deal with your problems. Stop trying to escape them. All right? So here she comes. Shows back on the doorstep of the tent. By the way, Abraham's tent was huge. Probably as big as this room right here. Abraham didn't have a little old pup tent like you, you know, hallelujah. It wasn't a two man tent. That thing was as big as this room right here. And she shows back up. Hey, girl, they thought they were there celebrating. Hallelujah. They got their, got their ginger ale out. We got rid of her, Abe. We sure did, hon. You know, she always was a problem, Abe. Yeah, I know she was. She sticks her head through the door. I'm back. And this is what God says, Abraham. Abe, this is what God says. Sarah, you with me? God says that I was to come back and I will submit to you. I'm to come back. We're going to face this. We're going to deal with this trouble. And I'm going to submit to your Lordship. See, that's ultimately what the Lord requires of us is that we face things. Amen. The sinners, we made, face them, deal with them work through the troubles, hallelujah, and submit to His Lordship. Here I am. It'd be hard for Hagar to do that. And it'd be hard for Abraham and Sarah to accept it. But if they're going to do it according to God's way, God requires that they deal, all three of them, with the trouble they've made. So she's rescued. But let's let's, let's back up just a little bit of the Bible. said In verse 10, the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Look at that. He says this, the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, you're carrying that baby right now, and shalt bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears call him Ishmael. God hears. God knows everything. Hallelujah. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to submit. Uh, You're carrying a baby right now. You're pregnant. God knows everything. He don't need a sonogram. He knows. Look at your neighbor and say, God doesn't need a sonogram. He knew that she had, you know, the problem that they had in the tent. She knew He knew why she was in the wilderness. He knew that she was pregnant. He even knew what gender it was. And he said, you're going to call him by this name when he's born, Ishmael, the Lord hears. He knew all of that. Woo! The Bible continues and says, Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, Ishmael. I don't have time to preach it this morning, but you know what? God hears the Arab people today know that. They have a revelation of intercessory prayer that even the church doesn't have. Those Arab people that are are worshiping the false god, they'll, they'll get out even on an airplane when they're flying in the air, they'll get out of their seat and get down on a mat and face toward Mecca and pray to Allah because they have a revelation that intercession is powerful call him Ishmael, the Lord hears. So we see here in the word of the Lord, the Bible tells us uh, verse 12 He will be a wild man. Sin produces sinful people. Are you with me? Wild lives produce wild men. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name, called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. He learned something about God that day. The word see is just what it means. God saw, God, saw. This God sees everything. He knows the trouble I had, what I need to do to fix it. He knows I'm pregnant right now, and He knows the baby I'm carrying is a boy, and He's told me His name will be Ishmael. He sees me where I am, and He knows everything about me. But the word also, see, means to consider or to care. So what she's saying here is the Lord cares about me. I'm learning something about God I didn't know, and that is that God cares, unlike the Egyptian idols. She's coming in contact with a God who cares. She called the name of the Lord that spake to her, thou God seest me, for she said, have I also here looked after him that seeth me, she said, not only does he see me and care about me, she said, but I have seen him. I've got a revelation of God. No wonder Jesus said in John 14, When you've, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. This is a revelation of Jesus that she's getting here. Are you glad that he cares? Wherefore, the well was called Beer Lahea Roe, behold, it is between Kadesh and Beret, which means the Lord sees. In verse 15, And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare? Ishmael. What did Abram call him? Ishmael. That's mean he re- it received the instruction that God gave Hagar concerning the boy. God said, I'll do what, Abram says, I'll do what God tells me to do. Amen. called his name Ishmael. And the Bible said and Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. He's 86 years old. He's born ten years after Abram is in the land. Verse 3. That means Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran and went into the land of Canaan. 86 years old. He's now got a baby boy in his house. He's submitted to what God wants him to do. He calls him by the name God told him to call him by. And Hagar gets a revelation of God that is unlike the gods that she served in Egypt. That God cares and that God sees everything. Amen. And that when people mistreat you, and they don't do what they're supposed to do, God is going to be there to police it. And He will correct the situation. Amen. And oftentimes, He will tell us to go and deal with our past. Before we can go forward into our destiny and I thank God today that he cares about you and that he cares about me. amen. The Bible says, cast all of your care on him for he cares for you. Let's stand Father we' come before you right now. Thank you Lord God for everything that we've learned today. Thank you Lord that you're faithful to your covenants. Mighty God, I give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And I pray that the Word of God that's been preached this morning, Lord Jesus, will penetrate the hearts and lives of Your people. God, we pray that we would learn. Learn, God, from the faithfulness of Your people and also the failures of Your people. That we go on and serve You, Lord, the way we should. And we give You all the praise today. Thank You, God, for caring for us, caring about us. We put our confidence and our trust in You. And Lord, we will wait upon You for that promise to be manifested and as we do lord it will save us from many many bad situations that will come if we take it in our own hands in jesus name we pray amen god bless you you're dismissed in the name of the lord thank you for staying so long <clears throat>